hey, everyone listening to this, turns out if you hang out with your best friend and your ex-boyfriend, they're just going to roast you. <laughs> She's fallen in love with a monster man. She's fallen in love with a monster man. She's fallen in love with a monster man. Hello, ghouls and gays, and welcome back to Summer Twilight Book Club, the podcast where your two best friends take you through the horniest book series of their teenage years at truly arbitrary intervals because every time we try to plan something, it falls apart because I think the universe is trying to take us out. That's real. That's really real. I'm Kat. I use they, them pronouns. I'm Sahana. I use she, her pronouns. So yeah, sorry we haven't recorded in forever. It's just that, as far as I can tell, like someone or a higher being or like the final destination, like, is that thing that's just death? <laughs> so- <laughs> Some unspecified universal energy entity has, like, taken out a hit on us, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, our lives have been nightmares, but here we are. We made it. We're back. Yeah. Like um, Carlisle from Beneath the Potato Peels, we rise again. Oh my god. That's very good. Thank you. Uh, Chris theorized that um, we were being taken out by BuzzFeed because we did that Winnie the Pooh expose on the Patreon, <laughs> which you can listen to for free. That part's free. If you want to know why we're being murdered, um, it's because of the secrets we had covered. We know, we know too much. We know too much. We've been revealing it out loud to the internet, and BuzzFeed's trying to kill us by putting actual yellow jackets, hundreds of them, in my home. And blowing out my tire and making me pay $600 tire. for foreign yeah. tires. Giving me a UTI before a seven-hour car ride. All sorts of things. Yeah, it's just a a lot of shit has been happening. Um, But we persevere, so here we are. Um, I'm hiding in my living room, unlike where I normally am, because the room that I normally record in, again, was filled with hundreds of yellow jackets. I almost got Macaulay Culkin in my girl, because I walked straight (laughs) ass into that room. (laughs) You know... The wildest part about this is that this is, between the two of us, this is not the first time that this has happened, because when I was a kid, this literal exact same thing happened in my parents' bedroom. Full of bees. Someone is trying to take us out. And I feel, and you know what's happening? Is that, like, the tactics aren't working, and they're, like, running out of strategies, and now they're just recycling shit. So it's, like, bee, it's, like, yellow jacket time again. You know? Um, Anyway. Um, but here we so, are. We're doing it. We love yeah. you so much. And so we got some stuff we got to talk about to you real quick before we talk about the other stuff. Uh, for instance, so this was this is a video from like 2014 or something, or maybe and earlier. It, like recently resurfaced. Yeah, and I tried to figure out who he was dating at the time, but I'm not quite sure. I don't know if it was FK Twigs. I don't know if it was Kristen mm-hmm. Stewart. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was someone else. But at some point, Robert Pattinson back in the day went on Jimmy Kimmel and he was like, hey, Jimmy. Have you ever been spat on, like, in a sexual way? <laughs> and Jimmy Kimmel's like, let me think about that. Uh, no, I dated Sarah Silverman. I don't think I have. And, uh... <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. Remember that that's a thing? Yeah, I literally just, like, the, like all of I'm fucking Matt Damon just, like, flashed through my head. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Anyways, um, and Robert Pattinson's is like, it's pretty great. <laughs> I, and I, I would really like love- to say I should get to spit on Robert Pattinson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. I'm not even really particularly attracted to him, but I want to spit on him. Like, to in what a, end? 
I want to know what it's like. <laughs> Just a bit on Robert Pattinson? Yeah. Okay. He'll like, he, he'll like Apparently it. Apparently he likes it. He'd be into it. I'm I guess. curious. Anyway. Um, anyway, uh, less alarming updates. Um, Citizen Hank, which is a lovely and wonderful podcast about the best animated show ever made, King of the Hill, um, is now on the Orange Groves and available everywhere that you would normally listen to podcasts. I guessed it on episode three. Kat guessed it on the last episode of the season, episode 12. Um, I also just guessed it on another Orange Groves podcast, Sugar We're Going Down Podcasting, so keep an eye out for that if you want to hear me listen, if you want to listen to me talk about our Lord and Savior, Peter Wentz. God. Um, yeah. Citizen Hank is so fucking good. It's so good. Have you listened to other episodes? I haven't yet because I have a backlog of podcasts, but I will it's because so, it's so I love, I love King of the Hill really and also I love Jory. What? Yeah, your episode was so good. Thank you. I really liked it a lot. It was really fun to listen to my two pals. It was, that was the thing. It was really fun to listen to my two pals talk who I don't normally hear or see interact much. Yeah. Uh, Cause like, I love Jory so much. I'm going to be on two episodes uh, next season. Get on the Discord, by the way, if you want to claim one. Yeah. Um, yes. I didn't know that there was one. Okay. I'm going to yes, go on to the, cre- go on to the creator chat on the Discord. Um, gotcha. To see if there's one you, that has been chosen that you want to guest on. Um, I just, I just want all of the Bobby episodes. I love Bobby so much. I <laughs> feel in the core of my soul that I am Bobby Hill. Yeah. Like, I, you know that, like, um, everyone is a blend of two characters meme? Three um, characters. Is it three? Oh, well, yes. my first two are Bobby Hill and Kelly Kapoor. Who's the third one? You said that on Citizen, on your episode of Citizen Hank. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> you did. That's really funny. In fact. Oh. Um, you, someone's smarter than those characters. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, I, you know what I think it is? I think it's probably, and this is like maybe regrettable in certain ways, but I think that, I think it's Kelly Kapoor, uh, Bobby Hill, and probably Hermione Granger. That's, quite frankly. That, that fucking tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably correct for me as a I, person. I'm not going to lie to you. I had already thought that and then kept it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I am, in fact, an insufferable know-it-all. Like, it's true. This is a true fact about me. Hey, I'm- Like, I am, I am, like, both a dumb, self-obsessed bitch and, like, a soft boy and an insufferable know-it-all. So it's, it's truly, it's truly me. You're, you're lucky that you're, that you're cis, because uh, otherwise you'd be a well-actually boy. <laughs> I think that was true of me, like, in my youth. I think that I have, I would you like have, to believe I was that I have grown out of that part of my personality. It's true. I was making a joke about it simply because on the pre-episode stuff, you were just making a joke about me still being exactly the same true. in the music department as I was as a teenager. Uh, but yeah, no, you are much better. Both of us <laughs> as teenagers, completely insufferable and pedantic in different ways. Oh yeah, no, awful, awful, awful people. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, another thing that we should talk about is thank you to a new $10 patron. We're kind of new. You've been here for a minute. <laughs> um, but as far as the internet tells me, because I'm incredibly American, I believe your name is pronounced Sean. That's what you said, Sahana? Yeah, that, that, is, that is what Google told me. 
If um, your name we, is not We think Sean. you're Welsh, and if we're wrong, we're so sorry. Um, yeah. The internet told us that you were Welsh, so. <laughs> and as we know, the internet well, not does you lie. specifically. Not what? you specifically. Not, not them specifically. The name. The name. The name is Welsh. S-I-A-N. If we're wrong, then we're just very dumb right now. We're sorry. Yeah. Um, anyways, though, they are a disabled genderqueer artist, and we're super happy to have them as a listener and supporter. And also, the fun part about getting new patrons is I like to check out their stuff, uh, if I can, if I don't already know them. Uh, and so I've looked at their art page and stuff, and it's super cool. Like, you should... Uh, yeah, they have, like, a lot of, like, Undertale fan art, Fire Emblem, Breath of the Wild. It's really great. Um, you can check out their art Twitter at S-I-A-N-A-C-H-A-R-T. So I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> uh, if it's, I, I'm not gonna try. No, it's probably not worth it. Um, but their art is definitely worth checking out, and you should give them a follow. Um, oh, yeah. And thank you. Um, we really love it when you give us money. It, it allows us to pay for stuff. I'm still paying myself back for a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm still decently uh, in the hole. So uh, I appreciate um, it. <laughs> please give us wasp killing money. Yeah. Give me wasp killing money, please. Um, <laughs> um, so um, get back out of the living room. Oh, so hey, I yeah. think now it's time for previously on Summer Twilight Book Club. What happened? Um, the last so time we did I'm this show. I'm just gonna give. I've decided what we're gonna do now is just the things they would show on a previously on. I think that's probably better than trying to recap the entire series, which I will say is very fun to try to do off the cuff, and I feel like it results in a lot of uh, wild condensing. Um, but this is probably better. So yeah, what, I think what the first episode each season we can give a full ass thing. But so Edward, a vegan vampire slash total dickhead, Morris, you want to be. Dumps Bella the human in the woods. Him and his entire family of vegan vampires dip out of the town they live in Forks. Um, it's in the Pacific Northwest. So, many months later, Alice, who's Edward's sister, has a vision with her special exclusive vampire power, and she sees Bella jumping off a cliff, uh, like, and she thinks that she died by suicide. Uh, Rosalie, Edward's other sister, is like, hey, Edward, <laughs> your girlfriend's dead. <laughs> and uh, with this information, uh, while Alice is in Forks looking to tend to Bella's father, Charlie, uh, Edward, you know, is like, Ugh. he's so distraught, he goes to Italy to provoke the Volturi, something he told Bella he'd do if he ever wanted to end his life, because it's hard to die by suicide as a vampire, that's an outside help. Meanwhile, in Forks, Alice finds out that Bella was alive, and she couldn't see it in her vision, because Bella was saved by her puppy dog, so best friend, and an actual werewolf, Jacob mm-hmm. Black, and vampire powers don't work in werewolves because they're enemies and werewolves are apparently way more adaptive um and then alice convinces bella although let's be real it doesn't take a lot of convincing to join her in flying to italy to stop edward by proving that bella isn't dead after all um by being like look she's actually right here i found her and Bella, who has no fucking concern for her own well-being or the well-being of the other people who care about her, uh, is like, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. And that's where our chapter ends. Yeah, she, like, or- writes her dad a note that's like, hey, I'm going to Italy because my ex-boyfriend who dumped me and then gaslit me is in trouble, so, like, you can grab me when I get home. Okay, bye. I don't think she even says that. If she's just like, ever's in trouble, I gotta go, bye. <laughs> Yep. And then her best friend Jacob's like, please, God damn it, don't go. I want you to live. And she's like, mm, no. Anyway, no, bye. Sorry, bye. And then, he, like, and then he turns into a werewolf and cries in the woods. 
Mm-hmm. Presumably. And then um, goes to a funeral. <laughs> to a funeral. Uh, hey, Kat. Yeah. What's chapter 19 of this book called? The 19th chapter of New Moon is called Race. Finally. Which, uh, a chapter that critically examines the racial politics of Twilight. Amazing. Nope, just kidding. Still white as fuck. Yeah, it's extra stupid because they aren't even fucking racing in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Like, the next chapter can maybe be called this, but they're just waiting around mostly. Like, I guess they drive really fast at one point, but it definitely seems like a more appropriate name for the next chapter and not this fucking one, but whatever. I digress. <clears throat> so, our chapter, Dear Reader, begins with Bella and Alice on a plane headed to Italy. And for some ungodly reason... They're fucking flying commercials. I, listen, this, this pissed me the me. fuck off. It bothered me so much. One, there is no way that the Collins, who have been gathering up money since, like, for fucking ever ago, cannot afford a fucking private like, jet. Like, I know that each one of them has their own private plane. Come on. Like, come on. Also, time is of the essence. Now is not the time for connecting flights in New York. Have you all ever been to JFK? It's terrible. That's not where you want to try to catch a connection in a short amount of time. So also, is it even really safe for a vampire to be on a plane with a bunch of humans? Like, what if one of them gets cut? Like, like, she's going to devour all of them? Recycled air? Like, the whole thing about Bella's smell being, like, too much to handle, but her smell is essentially being, like, piped through the entire plane if it's that potent. I don't know, man. Seems like a bad choice. All of it seems really incredibly bad. So anyway, Alice tries to soothe anxious Bella by reminding her that flying is faster than running. And I saw from our notes that Sahara and I had the exact same reaction to this, which is our brain utter responding with anything better, better than crawling. Than crawling. <laughs> <laughs> Just Brad Neely voice, anything's better than crawling. Yep. Hey, Sahara, um, you like flying motorcycles? <laughs> Oh, man. So, Alice calls Jasper using the phone on the back of the seat of the plane, which immediately reminded me how fucking old this book is. Um, Yeah, that was, I also was like, excuse? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you remember, like, the phone on the plane had the little, like, slot in the side of the phone where you would swipe your credit card? Um, I didn't go on the plane until I was 16. Where was the first place that you flew on a plane? Just to D.C.? Oh, um, yeah. Okay, so so she no, that Jasper. can't be right. I had to have gone to Mexico in on a plane. Yeah. Okay, I forgot it. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. There weren't phones. Um, there's a phone on the back of the, on the back of the seat of the plane. Alice uses it to call Jasper, and so we only hear Alice's side of the conversation, but it's still fucking bananas. So apparently, Alice's visions have been showing her all of Edward's ideas to get himself killed, and they very wildly. In intensity, like, one of the things she sees is him lifting a car above his head, and one of the other things she sees is him going on a killing spree through the city. Real casual. Yeah. Um, Because your morals don't matter at the end. No, I mean, listen, if you're trying to die, you're trying to die, I guess. Um, We also learn that apparently Emmett and Rosalie are also trying to head to Italy, and Alice is like, no, Jasper, tell them to come home. And then she tells Jasper not to follow her. Um, and she's like, don't worry, I'll be able to get out. Um, however, after hanging up the phone, she says that she hates lying to Jasper, and Bella's like, what do you mean? Yeah, so Alice doesn't want Emmett to stop ever, because 
she explains, because she worries that Edward will just, like, immediately, like, act faster and just, like, be like, oh, God, there's Emmett, picks up a car, throws it into a wall. And, like, Edward's such a petulant child with no ability to regulate his emotions that, like, I'm not surprised. Hey, Edward Cullen, go to therapy. Um, it's also elaborated on, uh, that what Alice lied to Jasper about is that she is- is that she would make it out of Vampire Capital City safely. Um, so this part was actually like, interesting to me because Bella thinks, I realized why her eyes begged for my understanding. She was protecting Jasper at our expense. She may be, wait, maybe at Edwards too. I understood, and I did not think badly of her. I nodded. And I feel like this might be, like, the first time, really, that we see Bella display this kind of empathy, especially in, like, because normally, if any, like, she will have empathy if it, like, doesn't have to do with, uh, if it just has to do with, um, I don't know how to describe this, but, like, like if, something if, opposed if, to Edward would never Yeah, like, any, her. Edward always takes first priority for her, so she generally is not thinking about other people's feelings or safety so long as... She is trying to to serve Edward's interests. And this is the first time that I think we see her recognizing that serving Edward's interests might actually cause harm to other people. And, like, be okay with someone, like, not doing literally everything. So, right. so anyways, um, yeah. So, I think that actually, like, most of this chapter is just Bella asking Alice random stuff. Like, she asks Alice why like Edward wouldn't... Yeah, she asks Edward, she asks Alice why Edward wouldn't abandon his plan, like, the moment that he hears Alice's thoughts, um, presuming that, like, Alice gets close enough to him for her, for him to hear her thoughts, and, and Bella's like, why wouldn't he stop as soon as he heard you thinking about me being alive? And Alice is like, Edward doesn't trust my thoughts, because he would, he would, um, expect me to lie in my thoughts about you being alive in order to get him to stop, like, trying to die by suicide. Like, that's exactly the kind of sneaky trick he'd expect from me. Um, This is really twisted logic, which is why it was so challenging for me to just explain it, because it makes no fucking sense, but, like, sure. Because, like, I don't get why, like, Edward would be like, no, I can't wait another second. Like... Yeah, like, he wouldn't, like, like you take have a pause to be like, wait, Bella's alive? Like, no. You have literally, like, yeah, like, you have all the time in the world. Like, if you wait another, you know, they delay you for, like, a few minutes, there's no reason you have to do it at this specific point in time. Like, yeah. ever just arbitrarily decided. Well, it's because he's a fucking drama queen, is what we've learned. Um, but yeah, like, I feel, you're right, I feel like there have to be other ways for him to do this that might not be as effective, but, like, the sentiment of him wanting to protect... Their sentiment from Alice, um, of, like, wanting to protect Bella from harm feels kind of disingenuous because she's, like, so willing to just, like, throw Bella into this situation and be like, whatever we need to do, like, I'm gonna use you to try to get Edward back. Like, I don't know. Like, this is the only way, I promise. And I'm like, maybe, like, snap a Polaroid of Bella with, like, a newspaper from, like, after she supposedly died. And, like, go restrain Edward and be like, look at it. We didn't doctor it. Right. (laughs) Uh, Or honestly, like, I don't know. Just fucking cut him loose. He's lived over 100 years. Whatever. Fuck him. I'm I'm just fucking unsympathetic. Bella's an 18-year-old. Don't bring her to fucking Italy. Like, I don't actually think I really felt anything when I was reading this. I was like, yeah, okay, I guess Edward could die. Fine, whatever. I'm like, please. I think that'd it. be great. And then Bella and Alice could just, like, go, like have a girl's trip in Italy, you know? 
Yeah. Just, just gals like being pals. They could have enjoyed the festival. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Zabella asks who the Volturi are, who Edward's going to petition. Because uh, originally he's going to go like, whatever, so we'll get to it. Um, she's like, why are they so much more dangerous than uh, other groups of vampires? And Alice explains that vampires usually travel um, alone or in pairs, uh, and that a group as large as Carlisle's is unheard of, except for the Volturi, and that there are five members in the family, uh, Arrow, Caius, Marcus, and then two females that, oh my God. Uh, and I quote, um, that Stephanie Meyer couldn't seem bothered to have named yet at this juncture, which I found <laughs> super fucking obnoxious, because, yes. like, Alice bothers to tell Bella the names of the men. Why would she not give the names of the, and I quote again, females? It's so stupid. It's not as if she doesn't know what they are. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, it doesn't make any narrative sense. Like, why would no, she? There's, like, there's no reason to not know their names. It's it, literally in my head was like, Steve Meyer's wearing, be like, I don't know, I'm going to name him yet. I'll do it later. Yeah. Anyways, um, outside of the family, there are also approximately nine guards, uh, although it kind of changes, um, many of whom uh, have special and great gifts, making them very formidable. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a ragtag tag, uh, group of champions, this bunch, uh, to continue quoting wizard people. Um, so, so Alice goes on to explain that the Volturi are apparently like the ruling class of vampires, so they're in charge of enforcing the vampire rules. Um, because apparently there are rules, and it seems that the first rule of Vampire Club is that you don't talk about Vampire Club, and that's functionally the only rule that matters, because Bella's doesn't even mention any other rules. Well, literally, Um, she's like, there are rules, and Bella's like, there are rules? Why didn't you even tell me? And Alice is like, there's, like, actually just, like, one rule. And and Bella's like, what is it? And Alice is like, it's obvious. Think about it. You know what it is. And Bella's like, no. And then Alice tells her that the first rule of Vampire Club is that you don't talk about Vampire Club. Um, and apparently the Volturi are particularly protective of their city, and so Edward's plan to expose them and himself there would put him at particularly high risk of getting got. Yeah, and, um, um, so just to explain, like, Edward's original plan was to go, like, petition the Volturi to be like, hey, will you end my life? And then if they say no, (laughs) then then he was gonna be like, well, then I'm gonna go be a vampire in public, bitches. Yeah, he's essentially saying, like, if you won't electively kill me, I'm going to give you no choice but to kill me. Um, and so the next thing that pops into Bella Swan's dumb bitch brain is so viscerally upsetting that um, we're just going to go back to full on book on tape and I'm going to have Kat read this out loud. Would you do the honors, please? It was amazingly easy to say his name now. I wasn't sure what the difference was. Maybe because I wasn't really planning on living much longer without seeing him. Or at all, if we were too late. It was comforting to know that I would have an easy way out. Yo, holy shit, Bella, go to fucking like therapy! Once again, Bella makes it clear here that she feels that her life has no value or meaning without Edward in it. Like, she literally says, I wasn't planning on living much longer without seeing him. Like, she measures her value as a person... By her ability to preserve Edward's life. And on top of this, about a page after she says this, she then says that, uh, she goes, I wasn't so stupid as to think that saving him would mean that I could stay with him. I was no different, no more special than I'd been before. There would be no new reason for him to want me now. And like, it just is so clear that Bella has bought so heavily and so fully into Edward's emotional gaslighting. And again, I want to be explicit in naming 
that this like fucked up, I don't love you anymore, so now I'm leaving bullshit is straight up emotional gaslighting. She's mm-hmm. internalized this to the point that she fully believes that she is undeserving of Edward's love and attention, despite her own explicitly acknowledged cognitive dissonance about the fact that his words are not matching his actions, right? Look, so there he was in the forest, like telling her that he didn't love her and he doesn't want to be with her anymore. But now she's hearing that because he thinks she's dead, he wants to die by suicide. And I think but she's she like, even tries to rationalize it by being like, he must just feel really guilty that I'm the, that he's the, that he's the reason I'm dead. Yeah, she's like, because she says like, oh, all the things he said to me before were canceled out by his words in the woods. And like, that's the final thing. Yeah. Um, and okay, and then also the initial line that I read is thrown in so fucking flippantly. Yes. I kept waiting for it to come back or be like examined and it mm-hmm. was not. It's totally fucking normalized in the context of the book. I had to read book. it twice because I was like, wait, is that what that actually says? Because it feels yep. so out of place here. Meyer just puts this line in there and like, and it's like just out of nowhere and just in between regular ass conversation and just doesn't examine it at all. Just acts like it's a totally normal thing to say. Like, Choosing to die by suicide because you haven't seen your ex-boyfriend in a while, which is what is implied in the beginning of that fucking quote, is so fucked up. That is not normal. Mm -hmm. That is not healthy. Mm -hmm. Like, how did this even come? Like, Like, it's it's so subtle and like throwaway in the way that it's written that if you weren't paying attention you'd nearly miss it and this is how this insidious messaging gets normalized and it's so fucked up yeah that like oh god that really really bothered me like so yeah so bella just expresses suicidal ideation if they cannot prevent edward from following through with their plan um and alice tells her verbatim as she's doing this uh to knock it off She's literally like, like, Bella says something that implies she might harm herself, and Alice is just like, knock that off. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Alice spends majority of the plane ride in a psychic stupor, uh, while Bella just thinks the same thing she's been thinking this entire book series. Mm-hmm. My life is pointless without Edward. Edward doesn't love me. I want to die without Edward, etc. And it's so fucking boring so boring like i feel like this episode has been boring so far because the content is so fucking boring i can't even be funny about it it's It's just just, like it's nothing there's no new information there's no nuance to the previously held information it's just it's just a summary of what's going on and and like like a little bit of exposition um barely even anything we didn't already know no so so they they land they catch their connection in new york bella has one selfish fleeting thought about the puppy dog she left back home and then immediately forgets about him um and then alice interrupts her daydreaming to say that she has seen with her future vision that the volturi are going to deny edward's initial request to destroy him because they find his mind reading talent too valuable. So instead they're going to offer him a place with them. Like they're going to offer him the opportunity to join the Volturi. And Alice seems to Do you know think, if this was like as part of the guard or part of like the family? I don't know. My guess is that it would have been as part of the guard. I right? assume so too. not one of the original. Um, but I know that I, like Carlisle hung around them for a long time. Yeah. And I think that's also what Alice says. Like they're going to deny his request because they are friends with Carlisle and they don't want to kill his son. Um, and Alice, so, so yeah, so they're going to offer him a place with them. And Alice seems to think that it's obvious that he would decline. She's like, of course he's going to say no. And honestly, 
Edward is such a pretentious little bitch that I kind of have a hard time believing that he wouldn't want to join the Volturi. Like, there is a lot of power and status associated with being part of the ruling class, and I know that Edward Cullen wants that shit. Like, Edward is the fake woke white dude that we all went to college with who preaches about how money corrupts society and, like, joins a DSA and pretends to be broke so you'll buy him tall boys at shows, but then he accepts a job at Amazon corporate and he won't admit that he only got hired because his daddy knows Jeff Bezos. Yeah, that's but right now, that's incredibly true. I'm picturing one person from my college incredibly specifically, especially <laughs> the pretends to be broke so that you buy him tall boys at the show part. Um... I feel like I know who you're talking about. I think you probably do know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even give a fuck. I'll say fucking it, will. Fucking yeah, will. Yeah, I am. Fuck you, will. Fuck you, will. God, I almost want to say his full name because he's such a shithead. Uh, that bitch pretended he broke and he had two houses. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I didn't know he wasn't broke until I met his brother and he was wearing a coach scarf. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, men are terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, anyways, although it's so, not exclusively men, white girls do this shit too. Oh yeah. So I feel like, I feel like though Edward is still stuck in his, like he hasn't gotten to the corporate job phase. He's still in the like, I'm rebelling I'm against my parents phase. Yeah, but this is this is the offer of the corporate job, and I have a really hard time believing that he wouldn't take it. You know? I just feel like Edward right now though, like. Yeah, he's he's, he's being yet. he's so he's being so melodramatic. Like I don't mm-hmm. think he's gonna like you know, like he I feel like in his mind it's like, oh well I can always go pick that back up later. Because that's uh, basically yeah. how he reacts when they get True. him later. He's just like, I'm not gonna join he didn't even deny them. Because he said like I'm not gonna join you if you do this. <laughs> like Yeah. Uh anyway, uh, so what? Bella asks Alice about her powers. Uh, and if you didn't already gather, I can't remember if we said it explicitly, she, like, kind of sees the future, but really bad at it. Um, and she's like, hey, bitch, why are your powers so inconsistent? I don't get it. And Alice is like, oh, well, it's easier to see a future that's, like, more immediate and, like, that I'm concentrating on the outcome from rather than, like, when I saw you and it just, like, popped into my head against my will. Um, which made me think of Charmed, the original Charmed. Um, (laughs) with, uh, I love Charmed. I watched yeah. so much Charmed as a child. Um, have you watched the new Charmed? I have not watched the new Charmed. I like it. It's not like amazing, but it's it's what I wanted it to be. Okay, well that's good because I had heard like not great reviews, but I think I heard not great reviews from people that like feel really strongly about original Charmed. Yeah, it's not trying to to like I think one thing and that people like won't just let it I don't think it's trying to be original charmed. Mm. Like they're not the same sisters. Like they're it's not quite the same like plot and stuff. It's kind of like original charmed meets the magicians. Um Okay. Is how I would describe it. Alright. And you know, there's some there's it's a lot queerer. That's good. I do appreciate that. Yeah, it's um, it's like three queer Latina witches, right? Um, they're not. Oh, they're not all queer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just one of them is. But yeah, um, two of yes, one is uh, yeah, and two of them are Afro Latina. Oh hell yeah! So um, yeah, and yeah, I think it's worth a watch. It's like will, yeah, it's, it's not it's on the it's, it's on not the amazing. CW. It's a CW show. Okay. 
On a scale of Jane the Virgin to Riverdale, how wild is it? It's a little hard to say, answer that because it is a supernatural show. Sure. So, like, I would say, I would say it's closer to Jane the Virgin than Riverdale, actually. Okay, okay, okay. Like, it definitely gets bonkers, but it's more just, like, the bonkers stuff is more just, like, normal, like, teen sci-fi. This is a TV show about witches. About, Mm -hmm. yeah, about sister witches. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, of course it's gonna be ridiculous. Remember Twitches? Yeah. Yes, I do, of course. course Should we do a, oh my god, should we, when we're done with this podcast, can we do a podcast where we read Twitches? (laughs) Just Twitches? (laughs) Just Twitches. There's a whole bunch of Twitches. There were, like, it was a whole book series. I don't remember the whole book series. I was oh, yeah. thinking was a... of the. I wasn't thinking of the. I was thinking of the. Is it a film or is it? It is a film with Tia and Tamara. Yeah, that's what um, I was picturing. That I wasn't thinking about the literary work twitches. No, it's based on a book series. Well, I think um, I knew that. I think. I read all of them. I have to look at the twitches books. They're so. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. This is this is we have we have gone on such a tangent. Okay. Well, um, wait, wait, no, I have to. Twitches books. Show me the goddamn books. Um. Yeah, I never read the Twitches books. I only saw the movie. Oh yeah, no, I read all of the Twitches books. There were. I want to reread them. the Mediator series by Meg Cabot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a fun thing about Meg Cabot? Is it about how she wrote a ghost boy named Jesse who I fell in love with in the mm. Mediator series? No, you know, it was not about that. Um, okay, what's the No, the, one of the Princess Diaries books was the first place that I ever saw the word vagina. Um, <laughs> because there's like a, what the, the character in that book is talking about like how she read somewhere the like someone is getting like a like a skin graft on their lip using skin from their vagina, uh, yeah. Um, but I read that and I was like, I don't know what that is. And so then I asked my mom what it was, and she was like, she explained. But then she was like, Where did you read that word? And I was like, In this library book. And she was like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things about what you just told me yep. that I want to question yep. or examine, and yeah. I'm going to skip all of them. Great. Um, <laughs> Save it for the Patreon. What happens next? Um, where the fuck even were we? I, I oh, yeah. It. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, after whatever the fuck we said beforehand... <laughs> Okay, yeah. So she's like, yeah, it's, it's, the future is more immediate. She's concentrating. She's like, it's also easier to see the future of vampires rather than fucking gross little humans. And it's even easier with people like Edward, who she's already attuned to. And Sabella is like lamenting this early vision that, um, Alice had of Bella that didn't come true before they even met where she had had a vision where Bella was turned into a vampire and Alice is like TBH I'm like considering just doing that to you anyway like I just might make you a vampire myself like fuck it fuck it it's just like fuck it Edward ask me if I give a motherfucker yeah (laughs) ask me if I give a motherfucker (laughs) if anyone was wondering there are two there are two perfect tweets on Twitter um one of them is uh uh, ask me if I give him motherfuck by um 
Zayn Malik. Uh, sorry, I'm only pausing because and not getting the words out because I'm looking up the other one because I have to get it correct. Okay, nope, it's from October 14th, 2012. Got in the other day, spilled a full tub of pasta on the floor. Stupid, stupid, stupid boy smelly pasta house. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid boy smelly pasta house. That's That's how that should have been read. By Liam Payne. <laughs> So, Bella just fucking, her panties get so wet in this moment when Alice is like, I'm just gonna fucking turn you into a vampire myself. Like, she is the wettest she's ever been in her life. Um, And she literally says, oh, Alice, do it. Bite me. And two things about this. First, gay. From the bottom of my heart. So, so gay. Uh, like, this whole entire exchange, Bella's, like, begging Alice to bite her before she changes her mind. Bite and me, then bite Alice me. is like, Alice is like, Edward's gonna be furious, but there's nothing he can do about it. Like, what's he gonna do? And then Bella's like, I'm willing to take my chances when Alice is like, oh, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be able to control myself when I bite you. And uh-huh. Bella's like, I don't care. Just do it. Like, goddamn. Just have lesbian vampire sex in the airplane bathroom and leave us all alone. Like, fuck off. Um, second... This dumb fucking bitch wants Alice Cullen to turn her into a vampire on a plane, on the plane. Like, we just had a conversation 30 seconds ago about how the first rule of Vampire Club is not to fucking expose yourself. And still, Bella's like, yeah, Alice, physically injure me in a way that will cause me extreme pain for an extended amount of time while we're trapped in a metal tube hurtling through the sky at 500 miles per hour. also... Cool fucking logic, Bella. And also that will make her crave human blood. (laughs) Yes. Yup. Like, just, like, unleash a baby vampire onto this plane of people who are just, like, trying to go to Italy to have a good time. Uh, yeah. That fucking bonkers. Okay, I do gotta ask you something, though, because I'm legitimately curious what your thoughts about Mm. this. Um, what do you think that Alice's motivations are, or, like, what her line of thinking is for turning Bella into a vampire? Because, like, I'm personally always trying to figure out the fuck uh, Alice's angle is, because I don't think um, Bella has any ability to, like, understand or pick it up. No, and I, so I honestly think that this is disingenuous. Like, I think I said before that I felt like Alice's like concern for Bella's safety felt disingenuous and this also felt really disingenuous to me like I'm gonna call bullshit on Alice here and say that I don't actually think that Alice has any vested interest in turning Bella into a vampire I think that she just knows exactly what to say to Bella to keep her interested in saving Edward despite the hopelessness that Bella feels about ever like having a shot of being with Edward again like this to me feels pretty transparently like emotional manipulation for Alice to get what she wants and have Bella feel willing to put her life in danger in order to save Edward. Yeah Alice would be a good cult leader. Yep. Yeah, my this other, feels really fucking manipulative. To my me. other thought, though, was that there was a possibility that she, if she was being genuine, I don't think she'd be genuine about being like, yeah, for sure I'll fucking do it, but like, she might have been being genuine about considering it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think her reason is just that it's completely selfish, and it's just like, well, if we just turn you into a fucking vampire, then you're not gonna die, and Edward's not gonna go do fucking dumbass shit anymore, right. and he can't, like, so he's basically just like, I'll turn you into a vampire because my brother will have to get the fuck over and I won't have to hear about it anymore. Like, I, it, it is absolutely self-serving. Like, it's from a place of, like, I don't have to, I don't want to have to worry about my brother 
trying to die by suicide because your fragile human ass can't like avoid danger for long enough. Like, I'm just going to turn you into a vampire so I don't have to worry about you anymore because then you'll be immortal and it's, like, not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm glad that we both... Yeah, I, I'm curious which of the two... I guess it could be both. Those aren't mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought as well. Okay. I think I think it's, like, a little column A, little column B situation. Yeah. So Bella's thoughts and reaction to Alice's offer, so to speak, to turn her into a vampire are, like, also incredibly deeply upsetting. Mm-hmm. So she thinks... If Alice made good on her promise, and if she didn't kill me, mm-hmm. again, and if she didn't kill me, because Alice is like, I don't even know if I can not murder you. I'd probably eat you, fucker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Bella's like, I don't care. Eat me. Eat me. Eat me, Alice. Uh, anyways. Uh, so yeah, if Alice made good on her promise, and if she didn't kill me, then Edward could run after his distractions all he wanted, and I could follow. I wouldn't let him be distracted. Maybe when I was beautiful and strong, he wouldn't want distractions. Bella has such intense fear of abandonment that she literally wants to orchestrate a situation in which Edward cannot leave her. Like, Bella's straight up codependent. Like, this is stalking behavior. Like, she's literally talking about stalking him. She straight ass sounds like Joe from you. Like, like, this is, she just needs so much therapy. She needs so much help. Like, she's so underwater. She's so unwell. And like, and I know that we say this on this podcast every episode over and over again. But from the start, Stephanie Meyer has really positioned Bella as a character as less than Edward in every conceivable way. She's less beautiful, less powerful, less worthy of interest, inherently undeserving and like needing always to compensate. And it just becomes more and more egregious as we move through the series. And like, even though as I'm reading this now as an adult with perspective and life experience, all of this stuff seems really explicit to me. I know that this shit is like stuff that I didn't pick up on as as a teenager and then like unknowingly internalized. Like this idea that I had to be beautiful and strong and specifically by the standards of white men in power in order to be worthy mm-hmm. of love or to be found desirable. One like, this I- is shit that I internalized and then, like, became a large part of my life for a very long time. One thing I find deeply upsetting is, so I spend a, I spend a lot of time actively looking for content for our Twitter, right? So to retweet and stuff. So I, I do a lot of like name searching and stuff for characters and things. And uh and so I see a lot of like younger women uh or femme folk uh reading these books for the first time or like maybe it's not the first time they've read it, but like they're still pretty young. Like they're between like sixteen and twenty one I would say. And seeing them react in the exact same ways that we used to. And I I don't know why I thought it would be different. I guess, like, I feel like, you know, we didn't have the same access to just, like, discourse and information and stuff. Which I know in some ways can be damaging in its own right. Because you have all this discourse without any context or life experience to process it and understand what is, like, good and what is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, um... But I guess I just thought through, like, exposure and the narratives of Twilight that they have to have heard, you know? Like, people like, commenting I, on it, I guess. Right, I, was, I was gonna say, like, I think that I assumed that at this point, 
like we've reached we we are like far enough removed from the release and end of Twilight that I thought that there would be enough like public cultural criticism of like what like the impact of Twilight has been and I think maybe like I just overestimate that because maybe like you and I have done so much like personal reflection and also like we do this show and so I think we're sort of like inundated with criticism about this franchise and I and I think that yeah like it's as surprising to me as it is to you that there are folks that like are reacting in the same ways to these characters although as we did what like like more than 10 years ago yeah although I am having a thought now that I hadn't really considered until just now that you know at the same time everything that, like, young girls or young women like is criticized. Like, mm-hmm. literally no matter how innocuous it is. That's so I true. guess I could also see that, again, if you're younger and you don't have the life experience and the context and whatever to, to like, actually analyze all this information you're getting, be able to parse out what is, like, stuff you actually is valid and you should pay attention to and what is just mm-hmm. vitriol, mm-hmm. Um, then I guess I could see the legitimate helpful criticisms getting very lost in the shuffle and like ignored because like if you're a teenage girl you pretty much have to ignore everything because you can't like anything without someone criticizing you or that thing for it really really good point and not something that i had thought of before and i think think that's part of what's so damaging yeah there was a lot of public criticism of twilight at the time that you and i were immersed in it and that was a lot more about like, oh my god, this is so stupid. Who would read fucking vampire werewolf love story bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that you're right. If you're young and you don't have the language or the knowledge or the experience to parse that out and determine like what is actual valid criticism versus what is people just being shitty about you liking things because you're a teenage girl. Like, how would you know? Yeah, and I think that's one element. Like, I always knew from experience and from just like, being a logical, reasonable human, that um, everyone shitting over everything a teenage girl likes is bullshit, but like, I and damaging, but I don't think I had thought about it from that perspective that is partially also damaging because when everything you like is criticized, like, it's very difficult to get any like good guidance or good information. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, that's maybe not some of the experiences we have with other, other things. Um, because, like, you see, it's funny because you see, like, men or boys and stuff when something that they like is criticized, they, like, lose their goddamn minds. They're like, how mm-hmm. dare you criticize this thing I like? Mm-hmm. And then you tend to no see young, yeah, younger uh, <laughs> people with, like, marginalized, ident- uh, marginalized uh, genders. Um, everything they like is criticized. So it's mm-hmm. like, they're used to it. They don't yeah. just ignore it, <laughs> mostly. Yeah. Not that they don't get, go back and be like, you guys are fucking stupid, this thing's good for these reasons. And that's what I see a lot with Twilight when I'm searching it, is people doing that. And then also the people, so many people defending Edward. It, like, is so upsetting, too. That's you, really, there's, people there's... play into the perspective in here, where they're like, Edward's great, Bella's an idiot. Which I know we do, too, sometimes, but we don't do the Edward's great. We're like, they're both idiots. They're both dummies. And I think that I think that at least you and I will sometimes give Bella the benefit of recognizing that some of the idiotic shit she does is a product of her being traumatized, but, like... Mm-hmm. But still, like, it's upsetting to me that anybody would find anything about Edward Cullen in any way defensible because it absolutely is not. 
There's not mm-hmm. one thing. There's no, he has zero redeemable qualities and I will die on that hill. Yeah. I could see maybe, no, even in, I mean, I've only seen the one movie, so I guess I can't speak to the movies as a whole. I'm sure it's easier to forgive him in the movies than it is in the books where you get so much of it, but yeah, it's rough. Right. Also, did you see my, real quick before I did you see my tweet making fun of when Mary Jane says to Spider-Man and then Joel Sam Raimi one? Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, oh, your eyes are blue. I had never noticed before. He's He should have been like, it's the fluorescence. It's the fluorescence. <laughs> anyway. What happens at the end of this chapter? Please, God, tell me. <laughs> this chapter never ends. Um, so, as the plan lands in Florence... Alice reveals that Everett's current plan, because she's got out of her stupor, her psychic stupor, uh, is to step into the sunlight at noon in the main plaza, because he's a dramatic bitch. And I say this as a as a gay. I do not believe Everett Cullen is straight. Because <laughs> no. Anyways. After landing, Alice steals a yellow Porsche, because when you're committing a crime, it is best to make it as conspicuous as possible, obviously. Yeah. So they speed towards this the Volterra. Is, this is how you know. This is how you know that they're white. <laughs> God. So they speed towards Volterra, aka the vampire capital of the world. Uh, and once they're closer, they're able to see the city, and they Oof. see that the streets, and I shoot you not, are full of people and red flags, which I laughed at <laughs> for so fucking like Just the long. lack of self-awareness around filling this whole town with literal red flags. Red flags. So after That's asking, the red flag of the week, folks. Yeah, the literal red flags. So after uh, Alice asks what day it is, she's like, oh fuck, what day is it? And Alice, and, uh, and Bella's like, it's October 3rd. And Alice is like, oh, that's the joke. It's not October 3rd. It might be, I don't know. <laughs> Are we going to post this episode on October 3rd? That'd be funny. I could. <laughs> um, so, I think it's actually like March or something, whatever. So, uh, she reveals that it's St. Marcus Day, a day where Volterra celebrates Father Marcus, who's actually the Volturi, uh, for raiding the city of vampires. Wow, and man. she claims that this is where the legend of garlic and crosses come from, because Marcus used them to repel the vampires. However, now the celebration is more just a town festival to be like, we love Volterra, and also a celebration of the cops. So fuck this festival. Um, you're hey, right, there yeah. are red flags everywhere at a cop celebration. Uh, and that's where the chapter ends. What's your favorite part? Okay. My favorite part of this chapter is that as the plane is landing in Florence, Bella says that the pilot announces that they are landing in English and then in French? This bothered me so much! Can I ask you a question? Does Stephanie Meyer not know what language they speak in Italy? Or does she think Florence is in France? Why... Or are the, why, why, why would they, they be flying, like, Air France okay. or something to Italy? So, so, I will say that in the past, when I have flown... So, when you fly an airline that is, like, based in a certain country, generally they will make announcements on the plane in English, in the language of whatever country the, like, flight crew or airline is based out of, but then always, of course, in whatever the language is of the place that you are landing. Like, when I... Like, when we take Lufthansa... Does Lufthansa still exist? Um, I think so. When we took Lufthansa flights, when we were flying from the U.S. to India, like, when you land in India, they will make a landing announcement in English, German, and Hindi. Like, why only English and French in this situation? I feel as though this is evidence that Stephanie Meyer thinks that they speak French in Italy. 
I was so baffled by this. And if it is a French airline, then you need to specify that it's a French airline and not just throw in French. Right, like, are you flying Air France to Florence? Fine, great. Why are they not also making an announcement in Italian? And also, why are you specifying the languages? I, I don't know, man. Um, what's like, your favorite part of this chapter? Uh, oh, my favorite part? Okay, because I have been wondering. I think I even texted you. I was like, <laughs> I don't remember why I liked Alice. Like, I don't remember why I liked her so much. And then she turns to Bella at the end of the chapter and is like, how strongly uh, are you opposed to Grand Theft Auto? And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. But real talk, Bella's answer depends on who's asking and how long it's been since she heard Edward's voice. Correct. Uh, so rewrite the novel where instead of getting into crashing, getting into crashing motorcycles, she just gets really into committing crimes. Mm-hmm. I would I would read a version of New Moon where Bella's like, fuck it, Edward's gone, be gay, do crimes. That's what I want from New Moon. I want her to be both at the same time, Tony and Cheryl in uh, (laughs) season three of Riverdale. Oh my god. So the next chapter is chapter 20 and it's called Volterra. It should have been called Race because it's more appropriate for this chapter. Anyways. So this chapter picks up exactly where the last one leaves off. Bella and Alice trying to make their way into Volterra, and as they near the city, the traffic comes to a complete fucking halt, and Alice and Bella become more anxious because they're like, fuck, it's almost noon, fuck, 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 and they worry that they won't make it into the city, uh, into the square, in time to stop Edward. Good. Don't do it. Turn around. Enjoy your Porsche. Let him die. Uh, Bella sees that people are not being allowed to drive into the city, and Alice is like, well, we're gonna see if the guard will let us in, and if not, you're gonna have to get out and fucking run for it. Yeah, so Alice does actually manage to get them into the city by heavily bribing a guard, once again reminding us that the columns are fucking loaded, because she literally just, like, hands them a roll of bills, and the one on the outside is a thousand dollars. Um, also, aside, why would she be bribing the guard in American money? Anyway, um, so she makes it through the gates. She drives through these really thick crowds to try to get Bella as close to the square as she can. And finally, she can't go any further. So she stops. She's like, Bella, run that way. And Bella throws the door of the car open and starts fucking sprinting to where Edward is presumably waiting to sparkle his way into the grave. Um, (laughs) So as soon as she gets through the alley and into the square, she realizes that it is packed as tight as a crowd of white people at an off-future concert, and there is no way for her to make it across the square in time. So as she does this, she's, like, pushing people, um, and she has this truly alarming thought that just gets kind of glossed over. So let's take a second for that here, because I saw that you also had this in your notes, and I think we need to take a moment to unpack it. Yeah, so as Bella's fighting her way through the crowd, she says... I was stupid and slow and human, and we were all going to die because of it. There's so much to unpack so here. Much. It's kind of hard to know where to start, which I know I have said that on this show like a trillion times, but it's always true. It's every time. So, the person, one, the person at fault here, fella, is Edward. Yep. He is the one controlling his own course of action, and mm-hmm. even if you wanted to justify his actions, the next person in the blame line would be Rosalie, who purposely gave him information she knew would be super emotionally distressing without even bothering to verify it. Like, again, this is, and I think we've talked about this before, and this will come up again, but, like, it will come up again in the series. Like, Telling somebody or making someone feel as though they are responsible for your decision to harm yourself or attempt to die by suicide 
is emotional abuse. So Bella in this situation thinking that it's her fault that Edward is about to try to die by suicide is a product of her being gaslit. Like this is abusive behavior. This yeah. is fucked up. And not even just abusive like from and like the thing is and what gets really complicated here is it's like I can't even necessarily like, okay this is both a product of abuse that she like suffered from Edward but I will say Edward legitimately thinks that she is dead. He mm-hmm. just and he did not tell her. Um but she thinks she is responsible because of Alice. Mm-hmm. So like it is not just that Edward is has been abusing her. Like this whole family. Other right. than well, maybe and Carlisle. What, and and, that, and that's why I said that I feel like Alice is like intentionally manipulating Bella's emotions to get her to put herself in danger in order to save Edward. Like, it is a guilt trip. Like, she's like, you know, if you hadn't fucking jumped off that cliff, like, we wouldn't be in this situation, so now it's your obligation to go make sure he doesn't fucking die by suicide. Yeah, it's bullshit. So, um, two, I still don't understand how Alice's life is in danger. Like, am I just being obtuse? I don't really like, get it either. I just don't get <clears throat> it. Like, unless she's going to expose herself too, won't she just be, like, some bitch in a car? I like, guess I don't know if the Volturi like know who she is because they know Carlisle and like But like her. I don't even see why it matters because like I understand why they care about Bella because Bella knows about vampires existing and she's a human, but why do they care about Alice? That's a good point. I actually have no idea. Um so three damn I just can't get over how fucking intense as we just said, that self-blame is on Bella's part. Like, where is the stupid part coming out of? Like, she just, like, the slow and human part, I can kind of get being like, God damn it, I'm so slow, I'm so human. Like, I get those thoughts even without being, like, uh, with a vampire uh, group, you know? I'm like, ah, why do I have this stupid human body? Why am I not a robot? Um, but, like, like, she just hates herself so much. She's made herself and other people have made her, like, responsible for his life, like a grown-ass man's life, and it's just made her like, it's impossible. It's an impossible task. And so it's just feeding into that. And also, four, dude, if you don't want to die, then, like, just don't die? Like, you're not gonna die from not showing up on time unless you choose to react by fatally harming yourself. Because you're saying it like, oh god, I'm just gonna die if I don't do it. I think what this points to is that she literally does not see the possibility of being able to live if Edward does She thinks it's literally an inevitability. It's like, it's not Like, she literally thinks, like, if he dies, I'm gonna die. Whether that means that they kill me or I choose to harm or kill myself like i think I will she not practically survive. thinks that her heart is just going to stop on its own no i think i think she does i think she's literally convinced that without edward's existence if she is somehow responsible for him not being in existence anymore then like she's just gonna like destruct like there's like a like a yeah i i think that that's why she doesn't see a possibility <sighs> for living so because of this because she thinks that like she has to it is her responsibility. She becomes increasingly desperate because she like can't fight through this crowd. There's like a wall of people in the square. And so what does our good bitch Bella Swan do? She runs through a fountain in the middle of the square, like just fucking charges through the fountain and then launches herself soaking wet into the crowd. Also, it says launches. 
Like, it, it does like say the words. It said she, she, like, pushed against the fountain to get leverage and launched herself. And launches. I just, and I'm, I'm just thinking of her, like, you, you can't see me, but Kat can see me. She's just, like, like, full, I like, pictured it, like, flying sonic, squirrel. Like, like, sonic, yeah. I pictured it, like, it, sonic. Yes. Um, and, like, again, listen, admittedly, this is a good strategy, but it's so fucking funny to imagine. Like, it's so mm-hmm. funny. Just picture Kristen Stewart, like, running through a fountain and then, like, leaping into a crowd. Um, Probably wearing, like, flares. Khaki pants. Um, khaki flares. Khaki skirt. Khaki skirt. So sorry. Um, so as she's running through the alley, like, finally she gets across the square. She's running through the alley and she finally sees Edward standing in the shadows behind a family. Mm-hmm. God. Like, Edward's just standing there shirtless in the shadows near his family, and the couple of, like, the little girls who are there are like, hey, mom, dad, look at that fucker. What the fuck's that about? And their parents are kind of like, uh, not paying much attention to them, but then kind of paying attention. They're like, look at him. What the hell? Good instincts, girls. So Edward is so fucking extra. He's standing with his eyes closed. Uh, he somehow can't hear or smell Bella. And reading this, I said out loud, and of course this is what fucking comes true. He's like, I was like, I'm assuming they're gonna give me some half-ass excuses that he thought that, like, Bella's smell and voice were, like, a hallucination that came to him as he's about to die, like it did for Bella in actuality or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so, so I want to, in a minute I want to talk about, like, Bella's reaction to seeing Edward for the first time in seven months, but I also, like, narratively... This is the first time that, like, we as readers see, like, real Edward outside of Bella's hallucinations for, like, several hundred pages. Uh-huh. And I had no reaction. I didn't care None. a single shit. I literally didn't care at all. And I think that that's probably really different than how I felt reading this as a teenager with a significant vested interest in their relationship. But I literally, I read this and I was like, yeah, okay, I guess he's here now. Like, no reaction. And so... part, I didn't feel tense at all. I didn't feel anything. Like, the whole part where she's running through the crowd and stuff, I think it was just, like, again, I've said this a million times, but one thing, I don't think that Stephanie Meyer has any skill with is, like, pacing. Mm -mm. Like, she will give so much time to certain things, and then so little time to others. Yeah, there was a, literally and, a whole, the whole last chapter, they were on a plane, and this chapter, like, three pages in, we're already at the dramatic climax of the novel. And, like, and it's, it's really hard to come off of that much exposition and then feel tense. Yep. And I, I just, like, I don't feel anything. And, and so, again, this is the first time in seven months that Bella has seen Edward, a man whose hallucinations she has been tortured by, who ripped her life apart, whose absence emotionally destroyed her. And I like, I, I, I might not feel anything in this situation reading about this, but I can't even begin to imagine how painful this must be for her. Like, she talks about the fact that, like, hearing his voice or, like, thinking about him, like, rips open this hole in her chest or whatever. And, like, so it must be... My assumption would be that it would be incredibly painful for her to see him in person for the first time, although admittedly probably fear and adrenaline are probably superseding all of that for her. But still, pretty much, her first reaction to seeing him in person was like, damn, I forgot how hot he was. I know. It's literally, she's like, I, like, I, like, my imagination couldn't have done justice to his true beauty. And like, Jesus fucking Christ, go to Bella. 
Like, I just wish that you cared more about yourself. And also, please go to therapy, part two, because as Bella sees Edward, she thinks to herself, and I quote, And the last seven months meant nothing, and his words in the forest meant nothing. And it did not matter if he did not want me. I would never want anything but him, no matter how long I lived. Yeah. And I just, like, I don't think that anything else needs to be said here about how deeply, deeply unsettling it is that Isabella Swan is out here ready to sacrifice her life for a man that she feels confident does not and never could love her. Yep. So, Edward doesn't hear her, so Bella throws herself into him, like, just smacks into him to stop him from stepping out into the sunlight, which is effective, um, and he catches her in her, in his arms, and she's like, hey, please move or listen to me, but Edward's too busy being like, oh, wow, so this is heaven. In heaven, I quote Shakespeare, actually, you still smell really sexy. Maybe this is hell. Whatever. It's tight. Um, yeah, so he, like, he seems to think that he has succeeded in his plan, that he was, like, killed instantly by the Volturi and that Bella's some kind of hallucination he's experiencing in the afterlife, which is wildly exactly what Bella thought when she saw a hallucination of Edward's face as she was drowning. Yeah, that, and okay. again, Also, Edward's so was, fucking can, stupid. Also, He thought I'm he was killed immediately, like, he didn't even remember stepping out. He was just like, oh, I'm already dead. It was painless. Like, And, like, as I'm reading this, I'm realizing that this is all happening probably, like, less than 24 hours after Bella almost drowned. Because... No, it's been days. Has it been... Alice stayed at the it, place... Alice stayed at her house for days. You're right, for a couple of days. Okay. But still, not very long. And she had to have time to get there. So... It's been okay. A couple of days. It's been at least it's been at least like a handful of days, but it hasn't been super long. No, it's not like it's been weeks or anything. No. Um. So, anyways, um, Bella's like, "Hey, fucker, we're not dead. You can fucking move it before the Volturi kill you or arrest you for being a pervy weirdo being shirtless near these children." Uh. And Edward finally seems to catch on and pulls Bella into the alley like that he was standing in, like, further into it, into the shadows. Uh, and is immediately confronted by two men who we can assume are part of the Volturi Guard. They're in these, like, big, gray fucking cloaks. cloaks. Yeah. Um, their names are Felix and Dimitri. Ruining the name Felix for me. Very upsetting. I love the name Felix. Um, they tell Edward that Era would like to speak with him and request that both he and Bella come with him because Edward's like not not the girl and Edward's like well I'm not gonna go with you and talk to Arrow then unless Bella goes three and um which Bella water survival instinct swan does not agree to um well not even just her doesn't agree to it like no one agrees to it no no when no she doesn't like what happens is that like Edward is like I'm not gonna come with you unless you let Bella go and Bella's like no I'm not going anywhere like she doesn't agree to being let free yeah, but also she's they... She's like, if you take Edward, you're taking me. But it doesn't even matter, because they were like, no, we need her to come with us. Yeah. And then when he's like, why, or whatever, they're like... But, well, yeah, but, like, Edward is... Yeah, they're I mean, like, like, we they have wouldn't have let him go, but, like, Edward is trying to get her and out, and she's like, no, I want to be with you. Yeah. But, I mean, either... I think she more didn't want them to go with them at all, because she's still rightly worried for him. Um, not right to be worried about him specifically because he sucks, but, like, he probably is in danger still, maybe. But she's in danger because they're like, hey, uh, that bitch knows about vampires, breaking her rules. And also she smells her. so good. Yeah. So, anyways, so 
Edward refuses to go. They move to like not not exactly attack him, but like um, restrain restrain him because they're trying. Yeah, they're trying to do it all really low key because they're surrounded by people. They keep being like, "Hey, Edward, let's take this, let's move this somewhere else." Can we at least have this conversation not in the fucking square? And Edward's like, "I'm not leaving the square because I know you won't attack me here." <laughs> and they're like, "We won't attack you here, which is why we should talk somewhere else so we can attack you." <laughs> um. So, anyways, they move to like restraining whatever. Alice conveniently rolls, shows up, uh, rolls and makes success for interfere, chooses to escalate the situation. Um, reminds them that there's a family right there watching and they probably shouldn't have a violent Street Fighter style vampire battle and the whole point is to try to conceal their existence. Um, right. And also the odds are even now because two on two bitches. So. I don't know what that means. Because um, I'm. Two on two? Yeah, what are you. Like the. Like the yeah, it's thing. Felix and Dimitri. No, not two, two one. Two on two. I keep. I thought you were saying two one two, and I was like, is that like a D and D thing that I don't know about? Two on two. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I was hearing a two one two, and I was like, Azalea Banks. Anyway, you mean like um, the New York zip code? Yeah, my brain is jumbled. Zip code. Anyway, area code. Um, two. What's so, your dick like, homie? What are you into? Felix and Dimitri. They're just. They're like, hey, you guys, come with us. Uh, let's go. Talk to these Volturi guys. So they're trying to pressure Alice and Bella and Edward into coming with them. And they are then interrupted by a tiny androgynous child vampire, apparently named Jane. Who uh, tells Dakota them Fanning. Come- yeah, Dakota Fanning. Um, who tells them to come with her and everyone just like immediately obeys her. Um, they're like, yeah, okay. Um, and as they walk, Alice starts to explain to Edward how she and Bella ended up in Volterra and Edward's misunderstanding about Bella dying by suicide. And Edward is like, oh, I, I, like, I thought I might run into you here. Um, and so they fall through a hole in the street. Seriously, I can't make this shit up. That's what happens. They literally fall through a hole in the street. Um, and then they walk through some kind of underground tunnel. Okay. Uh, they don't, like, Javert fall. Style. They intentionally go in there. They, like, they, Edward they jump picks down her, a hole. Edward holds her by her hands and drops her into it. <laughs> and then Alice catches her. Yeah, so then they're, like, wandering through some underground tunnels. Um, it's pitch black. Um, Jean Valjean style, sorry. Bella literally cannot see anything. Yeah. Um, Bella is like, so as they're walking, Bella's like thinking about how she's really grateful for Edward's company. She's like, the only thing that's like keeping me from screaming is Edward's hand in mine. Um, and it becomes apparent as she's thinking that Edward's gaslighting is so effective that Bella is fully convinced that Edward couldn't possibly want her and that the only reason he's showing her any affection is because he feels guilty. But then she says that she doesn't care. And she says, and I quote again, at least I could be with him again before I died. That was better than a long life. Uh, like, bitch, what the fuck? Again, this explicit messaging that nothing is more important than the affection of a man, genuine or not, not even your own life. Like, no wonder this shit fucked me up as a teenager. God damn. Yeah. And again, there's a difference between characters having these thoughts, but then these thoughts being engaged with in a meaningful way in the narrative. And what is happening here? Because this is never engaged with in a in a way that doesn't portray it as like correct and healthy and cool and chill and good. Mm-hmm. Like never. it is never challenged. Like and there's a because again there's a big difference between like this character being this really unhealthy thoughts because a lot of teenagers have these really unhealthy thoughts, but then having that like challenge throughout the books and like proving that these are not like good thoughts and like and like really be speaking back to that. That is not what this book is doing ever. Um, so they continue to descend into the freezing tunnels. 
and like <laughs> Bella's like I'm wet and cold and Edward is hugging me and he's a literal freezer and then Edward's like let me try to heat you up with friction and it's so stupid <laughs> and also like they keep mentioning that the guards behind them are like you're walking so slow Ugh, so annoying and I'm like why don't they just have Edward carry her on her on his back like, I don't yeah. understand spider monkey so anyways the chapter ends they like arrive at a gate through which there's like a large wooden door that's open and the chapter ends with everyone walking through the door as Edward tenses like his jaw clenched tight but it says that Bella immediately was like oh I'm way more comfortable now I'm not yeah sure. it does say that she's like relaxed like I'm good I immediately was like what the fuck so I opened up the next page and I was like Bella's a weirdo for relaxing yeah anyway so uh do you have a favorite moment of the chapter I don't I, I don't think that I do okay mine is like, very I, simple yeah. Mine is just that I cannot stop laughing at the mention of the town being covered in red flags. I think, like, I, I don't know that I can say that that's my favorite part, but I do very much appreciate the irony. Like, like it's really Stephanie funny. Stephanie Meyer had no idea what she was doing, but it's a fucking thing. It's real good. It's real good. Yeah. So, anyway, that's, that's those two chapters. Jesus Christ. We did it. We did it. So thank you for joining us on Summer Twilight Book Club. Um, we are part of the Orange Groves Network, where you can find a bunch of other great shows, such as Citizen Hank, which we mentioned earlier, and Sugar Going Down Podcasting, which we also mentioned, uh, both which we guessed on, but it's also a bunch of great shows that we've never guessed on. Um, Hashtag can, cat on cast. Yeah, get me on them. Put me on them. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at STBC Podcast. Uh, Sahana forgot the password and I, I haven't did. told her to her yet because I also had to reset it today anyways because I forgot it. Um, <laughs> so it's just me, free rain, baby. Uh, but for real, I'll text you the password um, after we get off. Thank <laughs> um, you. Lastly, this podcast, uh, technically we're supported by two Patreons. So we have our, we have the Orange Growth Patreon, which we do put some content onto. Um, it's just some other cut content, like stuff we couldn't talk about the chapters with. Um, but also we have our own Patreon, as we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. It helps. Uh, it it helps us run this podcast. Um, it helps us kill wasps. Helps us kill jacket. wasps. Uh, I'm still waiting for a good sale from Sticker Mule to get stickers. Um, but yeah, uh, you can support us at Patreon.com/slash/stbcpodcast for just a couple bucks a month. You can hear a lot of really hilarious content about our lives. This time we talked for a straight ass half an hour. So there's like we a did whole, talk for half an hour. A whole it is half worth an hour the $5, for two dollars. You can get like a lot we, of a lot we of extra may content. or may not have done an acapella duet of a Crystal Castle song, and there's no way for you to find out other than to pay us five dollars. Not even five. They only need to do two for that. Ah. Oh. Two dollars, you can hear us maybe do that if it's real. Who knows? Anyways. So, uh, but also five dollars or more, you can hear us do bonus episodes where we read crossover fanfiction. We just recorded an episode where we read My Immortal slash Twilight crossover fanfiction. And if that doesn't intrigue you, My Immortal, the fanfic, and Twilight, I don't know what's gonna intrigue you, so fuck it. Um, anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Bye, we love you. Bye, babies! Hi, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Joe. Sugar We're Going Down podcasting is exactly what it sounds like. Each week, we get a random Fall Out Boy song and discuss it in various ways, such as... What are its merits musically? Is it a bop? Does it have chugs? It's lyrical complexity. Sometimes Pete writes a triple entendre, and sometimes he doesn't even finish the first entendre. 
Does the video make any goddamn sense though? Usually no. How gay does it make us feel? Usually a lot of gay. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your personal podcatcher of choice and get a new episode every Wednesday until it kills us. Caitlin, is this more than you bargained for yet? Honestly, it already is. 